A very warm welcome to all of you on this Sunday, to FCC Sunday service. It's one week to Christmas. Are you all excited? Yay! Wow! Okay. But as we prepare ourselves for Christmas, as we enter into this season of Advent, this is already the fourth Sunday of Advent, have we actually thought to ourselves what is the meaning of Christmas? Is it the decorations? Is it the food and the drinks? Is it the presents we receive? Or what does actually Christmas actually mean to each of us? So while there's only seven days to Christmas, may we, use, may we use these seven days to truly think about what is the meaning of Christmas to each of us. Now let us just prepare our hearts with the call to worship. Drawn by God's presence, we, we gather. gather. Inspired by God's spirit, we, we worship. worship. Empowered by God's grace, we, we live. live. We are community. Embraced, embraced by, by the mystery of God's love for all creation. creation. We are a community that looks for the light of Christ. The light Drunk that shines, shines in, in every time, time every place, place and, and every, every life. life. Within this dynamic community, we foster connections and experiences that brings meaning to life and help us face the issues of the day. Together, we strive to live with loving hearts, open minds and hands extended to all. Welcome home. Amen. Now let us join the worship team together for a time of worshipping together. Oh, come, oh, come. 
Let's now quieten our hearts and come to God in prayer. Lord, our Creator, indeed we thank you for bringing us safely through the year, no matter what and how the year has been. That we are able to be here on site, online in real time, or even afterwards to join together as a congregation to worship you. But as we look in anticipation of Christmas in seven days' time, God, we remember there are still others out in the world that are not rejoicing. We continue to pray for the Ukrainian war, for the life lost, family broken, and homes that have been destroyed. We pray that at this season where the weather is cold and people are suffering, your presence, God, your presence, be with them. Closer to home, we pray for the families of those who lost someone in a Genting landslide. That there are more than 20 deaths already counted. That the happy occasion of camping turned into a sad one of loss. God, we do not know why things happen. Or is there a reason for it? And, do not, we, and we do not want to just casually say that it's all in your plans. But God, may we just pray for strength, patience, and just resilience, God, for all who are suffering to pull through this time. God, closer to home, year 2023, maybe a year of recession. And the Singapore economy may not be doing well. For those among us who still has a job to bring in an income, we give thanks to you. For those among us who are looking for a job or have lost their jobs, we continue to pray for them that they might find something in the new year. And we also lift up the FCC Christmas team for their preparation for the Christmas services next Sunday. And for each of us, as we prepare for Christmas, as a remembrance of Christ's first coming, 
may we also know in our hearts how we are supposed to respond to, in this preparation for your coming so that your love may shine in all of us. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. Find us faithful. 
All right. So it's the last week of Advent, the season in the liturgical calendar where we prepare for Christ. And uh, as you can see from the decorations in church today, the theme is upside down. And in this sermon series, we, in this sermon series, um, we are looking at uh, how how things are upside down in this uh, topsy turvy world. We first heard from uh, we first heard from was it David? No, it was uh, Wendy. We first heard from Wendy about um, how to how to wait, and then we heard from uh, David about how to repent. And then we heard from Yak last week about how to or not to be great. Um, well, today I'm supposed to talk about how to or not to save the world, and <sighs> what a topic. <laughs> so when I first started working on this topic, I thought it would be impossible to, to talk about, um, because like, who, who am I to talk about how to save the world? But then I remembered, this is the upside-down Christmas, so how not to save the world? Oh, okay, yeah. Maybe I know a thing or two about the wrong way of doing things. So today's lectionary passage comes from Matthew chapter 1, um, verse 18 to 25, which describes the birth of Jesus the Messiah. Uh, can you have it on the slide, please? Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man, was unwilling to expose her to public disgrace and planned to divorce her quietly. Just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had given birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. All right, so this uh, birth story of Jesus, it is an origin story, and origin stories are meant to tell you something about the person, the essence of the person. So this uh, Christmas story, the story of Jesus' birth, it is in some way a foretelling of his remarkable life and who he stood, who, what he stands for and who he is. But to understand what all of this means, we first have to look at what other stories were being told during the time of Jesus. We need to look at what stories were being told in particular by the state religion of the Roman Empire. Now, the, the ruler during the time of Jesus was Caesar Augustus, and his image was everywhere, in statues, in coins, and if you look at historical Roman propaganda, Caesar Augustus was also called God, Son of God, God from God, Lord, Redeemer, Savior. wonder if this sounds familiar to us. As an example, this is a stone inscription from Priyin, 
uh, it's an ancient Greek city in Western Turkey, and it is an inscription to uh, start the calendar year on the birthday of the emperor. And this inscription speaks of the birth of the emperor Augustus, um, calls him the son of God. It commemorates his birthday as the birth of a god and calls him savior, creating peace, the beginning of all the gospels. So what is this gospel of the Roman Empire? The theologian Marcus Borg summarized Roman imperial theology as consisting of four elements, religion, war, victory, and peace. In other words, you worship the gods, you go to war with their assistance, you are victorious with their help, and then you obtain peace with their generosity. And that is the peace of Rome, or Pax Romana. This is how not to save the world. Pax Romana, this was about saving the world through a program of peace through victory, victory fought through wars, wars fought with violence. And after winning all these wars, Rome would then point to the absence of war as peace. And Pax Romana did not just conquer your land, Pax Romana also conquered your mind. Under Pax Romana, you surrender your power, your rights, your freedoms to the state. And in exchange, Rome would then keep the peace. As long as you do not upset the peace, um, some limited freedoms would then be given back to you. Just know your place and do not upset this pyramid ideology with Caesar on top. But this ideology of Christ then turns this pyramid ideology upside down. The Gospel of Matthew says, they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So God is not in Rome, ruling by hierarchy and bureaucracy. God is with us, serving us, washing our feet, showing us how to love one another. And you might be thinking, well, the, the Roman Empire is long gone, so why, why does this matter today? Although the Roman Empire is long gone, I would say that the ideology of Pax Romana persists today. If we look around us, where do we see the doctrine of domination and conquest alive today? And uh, speaking of domination and conquest, today is the final of the World Cup. And yes, France and Argentina, they're going to fight for domination on the football field. But what I really want to talk about today is the systems, the infrastructure that built the World Cup. Ancient Egypt built pyramids. Rome built the Colosseum. And Qatar built stadiums. According to The Guardian, more than 6,500 migrant workers from South Asian countries have died since Qatar was chosen to host the World Cup in 2010. And in the lead-up to the World Cup, many other news organizations have reported about the abuse of migrant workers who had come to Qatar for work. Much of this abuse is enabled by a system called kafala, which means sponsorship. Under this system of sponsorship, a worker's legal immigrant status is tied to the employer. This means the worker cannot switch jobs without first getting written permission from the employer 
And being so dependent on the employer creates a relationship that is just ripe for abusers. So imagine this. Imagine you are a tradesperson in South Asia and you cannot find work in your home country. But you hear about the opportunities, the exciting prospects of working in Qatar, helping to build the stadiums for the World Cup, this prestigious event, the World Cup. But even before starting the job, you have to pay a very high recruitment fee. You have to pay more than $2,000, US dollars. And you don't have that kind of money, so you borrow. You, you, you treat it as an investment, you borrow. But this means you're already in debt even before you reach Qatar. Well, once at Qatar, you settle into your accommodation, 10 people to a small room, sharing one toilet, no showers. The living conditions are very dirty and unhygienic, but you put up with it. You put up with the dirty living conditions for the sake of improving the conditions of your family back home. In a day, you have to work in 45 Celsius heat. It's backbreaking work, and you think you could pass out any moment from the heat, but you put up with it in anticipation for payday. And then payday comes, but then something is wrong. You're being paid less than what was promised to you. You bring it up with your manager, and then he tells you, and this is a real quote, we are giving you this salary and nothing more. If you keep talking like this, I'll tell them to cancel your visa and send you back. And you actually think about it. You want to cut your losses and go home. You've seen workplace accidents. You've seen people die. And you wonder, well, could I be next? But you can't just go home. Your, your, your passport is kept by your employer. So you can't just go home. You can't leave, you can't change jobs, you're stuck. This is a composite picture that I pieced together from my research, but it essentially highlights the main features of a sponsorship system of migration. High recruitment fees, wage theft, poor living conditions, passports confiscated by employers. And by the way, these are not just things that happen in a faraway land. These things happen here as well. Singapore, too, has a sponsorship system of migration for, mig for migrant labor. We have the work pass, and work passes are linked to the employer. So our sponsorship system has similar features to Kafala. A Today article reported that Singapore migrant workers have to pay recruitment fees ranging from $5,000 to $12,000, which is actually more than Qatar. Home, the humanitarian organization for migrant economics, has reported that it is still common practice for employers to retain passports of workers, even though this is illegal. And Home has also reported on wage theft, such as unpaid wages, late payment of wages, underpayment, unauthorized wage deductions, unpaid overtime, and wage discrimination by race. Also, who can forget? COVID-19 causing the pandemic of inequality. The spread of COVID-19 in worker dormitories 
put a spotlight on the unsanitary and unhygienic conditions that migrant workers live in in Singapore. And to MOM's credit, they have made some improvements by unifying the standards for dormitories under FEDA, the Foreign Employees Dormitories Act. But we have to ask, why did it take a crisis like COVID-19 for this to happen? Today is not only the final of the World Cup, it also happens to be International Migrants Day. Last year, on this day, HOME released a statement highlighting some key areas for concern. And the sentence that jumped out to me is this, that changing employment has always been difficult for migrant workers, as the law puts such power in the hands of the employer. The law puts such power in the hands of the employer. Indeed, as long as workers are completely dependent on the employer, the system is ripe for exploitation and abusive practices. In 2020, Qatar abolished its kafala system. We now have to ask, when will Singapore do so? I know all of this seems like a lot to take in. And you might be even thinking, this is larger than me. What can I even do about it? Well, I say, we shake the palm tree. All of you here are looking at me like, what is this guy talking about? You heard me right. I said, we shake the palm tree. I am sh I'm saying, we shake the palm tree like Mary did in the Quran. Did you know that the Quran, the central text of Islam, has an entire chapter devoted to Mary? And that chapter has a story about what happened to Mary right after conceiving Jesus. It goes like this. He, this is an angel speaking, he said, I am only the messenger of your Lord to give you the gift of a pure son. She said, This Mary, how can I have a son when no man has touched me and I was never unchaste? He said, Thus said your Lord, It is easy for me and will make him a sign for humanity and a mercy from us. It is a matter already decided. So she carried him and secluded herself with him in a remote place. The labor pains came upon her by the trunk of a palm tree. She said, I wish I had died before this and had been completely forgotten. Whereupon he called her from beneath her, Do not worry, your Lord has placed a stream beneath you. And shake the trunk of the palm tree towards you, and it will drop ripe dates by you. So eat, drink, and be consoled. And if you, if you see any human, say, I vowed a fast to the most gracious, so I will not speak to any human today. So after conceiving Jesus, Mary withdrew to a remote place, and the pains of labor drove her to the trunk of a palm tree. Now Mary was in the middle of nowhere. This was a grave situation. She could die. And she was pregnant with Jesus. If Mary died, Jesus died. So she urgently needed nourishment. 
Now, not many of us know this, but to get dates, you don't shake the palm tree. You have to climb the palm tree. You don't shake it. Shaking normally doesn't do anything. But Mary, despite being exhausted, pregnant, had to do whatever she could to bring Christ into the world. I first heard this Quranic story about Mary when I was an interfaith fellow on a visit to the Islamic Society of Boston Cultural Center. This was back in January 2017, and I was living in the US, and Donald Trump had just been inaugurated as president. I still remember what it was like. The atmosphere was very somber and pretty tense. One of the first things Donald Trump did as president was to sign the so-called Muslim ban, if you remember this. This was an executive order that blocked the entry of people from a group of Muslim countries. The day that happened was coincidentally the day I was visiting the mosque. So imagine what it must have been like for the Muslim community that day. After telling the story about Mary, the Imam preached to his community about what it means to be an engaged citizenry. He said, we have to become learned. Our actions are an extension of what we know. We have to understand how our country works. This country does not operate haphazardly. There are, there are historical lessons, learned behaviors of how power is built. So build coalitions with people who want goodness for the country. Well, the context of the Imam's sermon was about what was happening in the US. I think the same can apply to us in Singapore today. Like the Imam preached, we have to start with knowledge. If you do not know where to even begin, start with knowledge. We have to find out what is going on, how our country works. Examine what are the systems that built this country. Who builds this country? The glitz and glamour of Orchard Road, Marina Bay. Where did it come from? Our homes, the flats we live in, the condos we live in, the houses we live in, this very building that we worship in. How did it come about? How did they come about? And where, what and whose sacrifices have been made? What has been done in the name of peace and prosperity at the expense of justice and equality? We recite during communion. We profess that we help perpetuate systems that deny the dignity and sacred worth of all sorts and conditions of persons. So what systems do we perpetuate in Singapore and beyond our borders? Now, in the face of systemic injustices, the, the problem can seem so big and we feel so small. But I assert that the faith of Mary shaking the palm tree shows us that true faith is not about sitting back and letting God come in and save the day. True faith is about being bold enough to work with God. And shaking the palm tree is an act of true faith. Shaking the palm tree looks futile. It looks maybe even ridiculous. But it is this boldness or even daring to try, the persistence of the effort, that demonstrates true faith. Shaking the palm tree means taking action. And sometimes this can mean taking action on what seem like mundane issues. One case in 
in migrant worker rights is the, the issue of pay slips. Now, I wondered whether I should even bring up something as mundane as pay slips, but after some thinking, I, I thought that I should, because I realized that oppression often operates in mundane ways. And because it is mundane, no one pays attention. And because no one pays attention, oppression continues. So perhaps you and I, we take our pay slips for granted, but not having proper itemized pay slips allows employers to get away with underpaying workers. Around 12 years ago, TWC2, a migrant worker advocacy group, they started shaking the palm tree. They highlighted the problem to the government and advocated for proper itemized pay slips to be required by law. The government resisted, citing feedback from employers that issuing pay slips would at significant administrative costs, but TWC too, they didn't give up. They continued shaking the palm tree. They argued that companies are supposed to calculate workers' pay anyway, and the pay slip is just a printed copy of that calculation. They continued to argue that the only employers who may find their cost increase would be those that are currently not making the effort to calculate salaries at all. After tireless advocacy, itemized pay slips finally became law in 2016. This is an example of a good result, but it's also a reminder that change takes time. History shows us that we won't always succeed the first time, or even the first few times. Even after pay slips became law, a survey a few years later showed that 22.5% of migrant workers were still not getting proper pay slips. Shaking the palm tree requires persistent effort over time before getting results. So Mary, shaking the palm tree shows us that even when the solution seems out of reach, we must dare to try. We must dare to be persistent we must be willing to wait before getting decisive results. Shaking the palm tree means we must do whatever is within our means to bring Christ into the world. And bringing Christ into the world means rejecting the peace of Rome and working to usher in the peace of Christ. Peace by love, not by conquest. Peace by justice, not by subjugation. Peace by equality, not by exploitation. And that, my friends, is how we save the world. Amen. We gather each Sunday at this table even though at this time we are not all physically together, the table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. This means you do not have to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member of FCC. You do not have to be baptized. You only need to recognize 
that God's grace is sufficient. When Jesus sat at the tables um, and broke bread with tax collectors, lawyers, rich elites, and poor peasants, he proclaimed that God's radical love and abiding presence know no bounds. Through this occasion of sharing food, every person experienced God and shared in God's kingdom. A kingdom where all are welcome, all are worthy, and all are invited. A kingdom where lives are transformed and empowered, and the fruits of God's gentle justice bloom throughout creation. All people, including each of us, are invited to share in this sacred meal of celebration and be strengthened by the presence of God in this place. Remember, remember that, that Jesus, Jesus fed 5,000 5, hungry people with five loaves of bread and two fish. At this miraculous meal, there was such an abundance that everyone ate until they were full. And there were even 12 baskets of food left over. Holy God, we celebrate your abundant care and solidarity revealed in this meal. We remember that while sharing a meal with Pharisees, Jesus welcomed a woman viewed as an outsider. As the woman anointed his feet with oil, Jesus declared her dignity before everyone at the meal. Holy, Holy God, God, we celebrate your gracious inclusiveness revealed in this meal. At these meals, Jesus and all his disciples resisted the division, injustice, and violence of society. They lived out instead the kingdom of God, a place of love, justice, and mutuality. But we also recognize that not all people like Jesus' ministry. For some people, it was scandalous. They said, look, a glutton and drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. When his arrest seemed near, Jesus ate a meal in an upper room with the disciples. As he had done so many times before, he took bread and after having given thanks to you, Holy God, he broke it and gave it to the disciples. This time saying, do this to remember me. After the meal, he shared the wine, gave thanks, and said, I will not drink from this cup again until I drink it with you in the kingdom of God. For those um, at home, uh, please also take your elements so that we can partake it together.
Um, is there anyone who has not received um, the communion? Can I also have one? Jesus was then unjustly killed by the system of domination of his day. To some of his frightened disciples, it seemed that the bread symbolized his broken body and the wine his blood. God, the kingdom, the kingdom of God, God persisted and persists today to the, the many people who seek to be your resurrection community. community. Holy God, in this sharing of bread and wine, we joyfully celebrate the hope-inspiring ministry and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I now invite everyone to sit in body and spirit, uh, to stand in body and spirit. I'm sorry. Gracious God, may, may this meal be for us an Emmaus meal, where we encounter your presence in the sharing of this food, as the disciples did at their meal in Emmaus. May the sharing of this food be a taste of your kingdom. Holy God, so we may be strengthened to be your joyful and hopeful disciples. And may we share in your kingdom of love, justice, and mutuality with those around us. Amen. Welcome once again to the Sunday service of FCC. Wow, what a sermon. I mean, it's like so totally unchristmassy and totally doesn't put us in the mood at all. But still, it's a sermon that deserves to be preached because that's what FCC stands for, right? We always do things that is different from the other mainstream churches. But his sermon reminds me of what uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said that the let me find the quote. The art of the moral justice is long, but it... No. The, <laughs> let me get the quote right before I say... With, I have the quote. Uh, the art of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And indeed... Let me get another quote. <laughs> C.S. Lewis also says that you, can, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. Indeed, I think I feel that a lot of times we really do feel that, you know, what can we do? What can we do? We look at what is happening in the world, we look at the war, we look at the uh, climate, 
that is bringing the earth into a downward spiral. And then we always wonder, what can we do? What can we do? But no matter where we are at this point, if we decide to make a difference and we decide to make a change, no matter how small an effort we put in, the world can be changed and we can rewrite the end, though we cannot change the beginning. So once again, I'd like to thank Alvin for his sermon and then welcome you to the Free Community Church Sunday service where free stands for first realize everyone's equal. So today is one Sunday before Christmas. Usually we have a newcomers meeting uh, on the last Sunday, but because next Sunday is Christmas, we will have our newcomers meeting today. So if you are here for the first time or you are here for a second, third, or how many times you are here, you want to get to know us better, please stay back immediately after service and uh, go to the room behind. We have a newcomers meeting where you can meet with the pastors and the leader of the church to find out more about what FCC stands for. We are not always this down and down and serious. We, I mean, just like the communion just now, there was a little uh, hiccup, but still. But that's what FCC is. I think FCC is really just a representation of what being human is like. And that's, all, that's what we all are. I hope that we are all humans here. Okay, so uh, please uh, feel free, uh, go to the back of the room after service to join in the newcomers meeting. Now we have come to the collection segment of the service. So you may give to FCC uh, for two funds uh, by PayNow. First is the general fund and then the building fund. Uh, we recently again received another letter from a bank to tell us that our mortgage interest has gone up again. So we hope that you can give generously so that we can try to pay down our mortgage as fast as possible. You may give by PayNow by scanning the two UR codes or you may also give by credit card at freecomchurch.give.asia. Uh, but please remember that there's a 1.5% platform, platform fee if you give by credit card. So uh, you may also give by raising your hands later. We will get the stewards to go around to pass, uh, pass around the collection bags. But please, now let us give thanks. God, indeed, we give thanks to you that you call us to be your children, not for us to be on earth to just enjoy and be merry, but for us to be here, to be your hands and your feet, to follow you as disciples of Christ. A lot of times, we don't seem to know what your will is for us, or we say that we do not hear your calling, but we know in each of our individual ways, no matter how small it is, we can make a difference and we can make a change to the end of the story. God, we lift up all the financial givings to you. We lift up all the efforts and the time each and every single volunteer and paid staff of FCC does and contribute because we know that in all our hearts, all we want is that each one, everyone out there will know your love. We lift up all in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. So let me remind you, uh, those people online that if you find yourself uh, being blessed by the sermon just now, do click the like button and subscribe to our YouTube channel and press the bell so that you can be reminded of our Christmas service next Sunday. Oh, now it's the collection. <laughs> so if you want to drop some cash in the collection bag, can I get the stewards to come? Thank you.
So now we have some announcements for today. First announcement, Christmas is next week, upside down Christmas. Uh, I'm sure next week's Christmas service will not be so serious. So please feel free to invite your friends, your family and everyone else. We have two Christmases, Christmas services on that day. The English service will be at 10.30 as per normal. And then there's a bilingual service at 2.30pm. There'll be a lunch buffet at 12.30pm. That's, that's not only catered for the morning service. Because of the limitation of the, uh, size of, of, of the size of this space, we have two services. But whether you're attending the morning service or the afternoon service, Lunch is catered for you so you can meet, so that the people from two services can meet in between during the lunch. And then, yeah, we can just go on our uh, merry life and celebrate Christmas outside of church. Next. Oh, no, before next. Okay. So, because Christmas is next week, and if all of you have got uh, Christmas parties to attend, Christmas gift exchange to do, and all those, we actually have a recycled Christmas gift uh, in the room behind. So, this is for. Uh, uh, a time for you to put your gifts which you may have received or something at home which you may have received and have not used and you would like to re-gift to other people so that we reduce the waste of this uh, entire season. So please feel free to go to the room behind and then just pick up whatever gifts that you feel that is, uh, might be useful to you or to someone that you know and just feel free to pick them up. So next year is, is the FCC 20th anniversary, so we are actually trying to launch a 20th anniversary book. Uh, we are looking for graphic designers and layout artists for the book. You may volunteer if you are interested at info at freecomchurch.org. The Welcome Ministry is also calling for volunteers. So if you feel that you've been welcomed by the Welcome Ministry and you feel that you have a very cheerful and joyful heart and you'd like to join this ministry, uh, please contact Sean Lee at the number listed or also email to info at freecomchurch.org to find out more. The Children's Ministry is also looking for volunteers. So you see that actually the church is a church made up of volunteers and we really need every hands on deck. So for the children's ministry, I'm always very impressed by the children's ministry's teachers because I think they need to have a lot of patience, they need to have a lot of love, they need to have a lot of creativity and also rule with a tough hand because you need to keep the children in line also. So it's really not an easy job, but if you have any of the characteristics above, or you feel that you need to train up your patience and you don't mind looking after kids, please also uh, send an email at info at freecomchurch.org. I mean, but this is not uh, for everyone. So I think you'll be interviewed by the children, ministry leads and all those uh, to ensure that uh, you are suitable uh, for this uh, volunteering work. Now we invite Pastor Pauline to give us the benediction. So before we rise for the benediction, um, as you notice, something different walking into the sanctuary today, I hope. Uh, you see the Christmas decorations are up. Uh, and although we would love to say it's the secret uh, Santa elves who did it, uh, but we had very lovely volunteers who not only put up the decorations, we had another team who actually took down the stained glass uh, towels, if you notice, and uh, the window's so clean, right? Yeah, a lot of work, you know, because very sticky, yeah? It took a few hours to clean this place, okay? So I want to really recognise and to really appreciate the teams because they are so hidden, right? And you don't know who they are. And you go like, oh, so beautiful. Look at the upside down little Christmas trees. Amazing, right? So much creativity going behind that. So I want to thank the decoration team, which is uh, made up, was led by Robin, uh, Joanne, and then uh, with Wayne and EJ as well. Thank you so much uh, for working on this. 
uh, lovely effort, right? Uh, and I also want to thank Kin, Iris and myself uh, for coming yesterday to clean the windows. Uh, and I really appreciate, uh, actually really like what Jamie said, right? We are a church made out of volunteers. It comes out of so much love and heart uh, to make this place what it is. You know, so thank you for everyone and for all of you uh, who are part of our life, of our community, all right? So if you will, will you rise in body and spirit to receive the benediction? God of love and God of life. It is at Christmas that we are reminded that you are Emmanuel, God with us. God with us in solidarity in times of suffering. God with us in times of injustice. God with us in times of joy, in times of hope. And God, we live in a world that faces so many challenges. And we are faced today with the question, what will we do? How will we, knowing that God is with us, how will we make a change in this world? So now go, go as God's people, who like Mary would shake the palm tree, who would not let go until change happens. Go, because God is with you now and always. Amen. So thank you so much for joining us for service today. Please join us for Christmas, especially next week. We would love to fellowship together, celebrate together, to celebrate God who comes to be with us. So now go and go in peace. Thank you and have a blessed week ahead.